A wise little green puppet once said that the fear of loss is a path to the dark side. But what if I told you that embracing the marketing dark funnel is a pathway that leads to many abilities, none of which are unnatural? That's the main topic for today's show as we dive into the world of how your audience really shares the content that they enjoy. Whether it's through screenshots, text messages, or Slack channel, your audience is sharing content through what's called the marketing dark funnel, and that's what we're going to talk about on today's show. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. I am your host, Blythe Brumley, and per the usual, we have another best of segment coming from the Cyberly Show on Freight Waves. These are segments that run about 15 to 20 minutes in length, and I pull the best ones in order to showcase them on the podcast here. And that is the topic for today is the marketing dark funnel. So I hope you guys enjoy. So come with me as I take you down the path of the dark side. And Seth Godin, who is sort of the marketing guru, and he has been for years, but he said that the key to marketing is simply selling something that people want to buy. Yet marketers are faced with a shiny new tech toy seemingly every other month. These toys, which are affectionately referred to as MarTech, are basically SaaS-based tools like HubSpot and some of these other platforms out there that help you as the marketer make your job a little bit easier in in order to track conversions. Only these tools usually tend to prove their value and not necessarily the value that you're bringing to your customers. They do well in a lot of different areas, but as far as proving the ultimate value to your customers, that remains to be seen for, for some of these tools that are out there. We call this the marketing dark funnel. So let's take a look at this tweet from entrepreneur Justin Jackson, who is building a podcast hosting and analytics company, where he says that I used to invest heavily in marketing automation, tracking, attribution, configuring funnels, and retargeting. But after 13 years of doing marketing for SaaS companies, I'm convinced that 90% of it is unnecessary. He goes on to tweet in, in, in several different threads that he's, he's building essentially an analytics company for podcasts, which that previous tweet might be seen as kind of a contradiction to what he's building. But I agree with him 100%. Because Justin goes on to reiterate what Seth said, that when you sell something that people want to buy, that's the heavy lifting that you need. So, and then he goes on, there was another tweet that he followed it up with that I thought that was really poignant, where he says, the worst products require more marketing, more convincing, more funnels, more drip campaigns, more manipulation. For indie entrepreneurs, the best products are the products people already want to buy, and it shouldn't take a bunch of effort to convince them. Now, I know there are probably many of you, especially in marketing, who are screaming, but how do I prove the value of what I do, especially to the C-suite? And it comes down to educating the C-suite on balancing the art and science of marketing and embracing the dark funnel. So let's talk about those five steps and how marketers can embrace this change. So the dark funnel is essentially where content is shared and it's impossible to track. So think of an article that you found that you really loved and you shared it in a text message with a friend or you shared it in a Slack group. Having a company meeting is probably going to follow that where everyone's going to discuss that same article or that same video. And then a recommendation is made to the CTO in order to buy that software. 
Now, the CTO will likely Google search your company and then book a demo right on your website in order to have that conversation. And if you were going to attribute that, if you were going to create an attribution report, that report would show that that lead came in through Google's organic search. It wouldn't show that all of the different articles that you had shared and that the team had talked about previously and all the value that they brought. And so what would happen in that case is a, a lot of, especially companies that are not very experienced in marketing, or maybe they, they have someone on their team that isn't experienced in marketing that can know, you know, sort of balancing the, the, the art and the science of it. And, and, and what would happen is that they would make a bad investment. They would see, okay, well, maybe we should stop investing in, in some of this content that's being shared in the dark funnel, and we should probably just invest more in organic SEO. And that's where a lot of the, the attribution reports that while they provide some value and, and, and some perspective, they don't give you the full picture, which is why they call it the dark funnel. So let's talk about five key steps in order to embrace the dark funnel instead of resisting it. So step one, let, letting go of being able to measure everything. When you're in the trenches of a good marketing campaign, you can feel what's working. And chances are, if you're measuring everything, your, your, your data is probably going to be a little skewed to begin with because more than 40% of all traffic on the web is bot related. If you don't have filters set up either through your HubSpot account or either through Google Analytics, you're probably going to be seeing a lot of different bots that are accessing your site and you won't be able to pull any sort of quantitative data from those reports. Then there are entire businesses that are built based off of combating against click or, or click fraud, where it's essentially the same kind of bots or maybe a competitor or maybe someone else that is clicking on that ad and it's it's essentially costing you money. But it's one of those things where it it, it's, it still exists in, in the world of marketing, especially when you're advertising, is avoiding that ad click fraud. And then studies show that as you advertise more on social media, then your organic searches also pick up as well. And so that's another instance where if you are advertising a ton and then your audience will see the ad, sometimes because of privacy reasons, they will go straight to Google and they'll Google search your company and they'll go through your website and access your website that way. And then what happens on that attribution side is that you forget about the, uh, you forget about the advertising that brought awareness about your company to begin with. And then you choose to invest in the things that, or you choose to not invest in the things that are working and rather go into the path of the things that are showing up on the attribution report instead. Alex Lieberman, he's the chairman of Morning Brew, who has a fantastic email newsletter. If you're not already subscribed, they, they have a ton of different email newsletters that you can go and subscribe to with different segments. Um, but he said that the, uh, it's basically another example is Olympics and brand marketing suffer from the same challenge of attribution. And his tweet goes on to say, it's difficult for Apple to know how shot on an iPhone billboards impact long-term value. And it's difficult for Tokyo to know that its $28 billion investment impacts long-term country value. We talked about the Olympics on last week's episode and, and how often they are showing uh, or, or, or how much they're spending on these Olympics and how much has gone into oh, more than a decade of planning that's gone into actually uh, putting on this Olympics right now, even though there's no fans in the stands and it's a little bit different um, of, of a viewing experience, but a lot of that value is still there but how are they going to measure that value long-term, especially from an attribution standpoint? So it's really looking at the bigger picture. Now, step two is staying away from tools that promise automation for 
everything. Automation makes your job easier, but it doesn't necessarily result in a good customer experience. Uh, a good example that I have is, is something that I've done recently where I, I've talked about this on a previous show where I had a podcast automation set up to where a blog post pulls in a new podcast. Anytime a podcast is uploaded, it pulls in that, that podcast episode as a blog post. And my thinking was, is that, okay, if I can automate this part of it, then I can automate the notification to the audience who's already email subscribers. Then I could just shoot them over an email, letting them know that a new episode is live. Only the problem with the formatting of the email newsletter when I sent this out, it wasn't the best and it resulted in 40 unsubscribes. That's a perfect example of something that I thought of as a, that would be a good experiment and would be good for the audience. In reality, it was good for me it, and the audience told me with their unsubscribes that it was not a good experience for them. So that's something that I pulled away from, from the, the flow and my marketing mix in general. But that's, you know, staying away from those tools that promise to automate everything because it really does impact the customer experience. And, and that's really what your, your main focus should be on. Step three is treating channels appropriately as intent-based or awareness-based. Now, awareness-based channels are social media. They're LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, et cetera. Intent-based channels are usually a buying intent search phrase on Google, filling out an RFQ form on your website, um, and then email, depending on how it's used, can be both intent and awareness. A good tip I heard is to treat social media in the same way that you would treat those email nurture campaigns with a mix of educating about a problem your target audience is suffering from, how your solution fixes that problem, and then with a mix of brand awareness, educational, and product marketing. There really is no one size fits all in this case, but your, your mix should be a mix of those intent-based channels and awareness-based channels. Now, step four is avoiding the MQL hamster wheel of gathering these low intent leads. Now, I think most of us in marketing are, are, are have already accepted that the, you know, the, the, the days of downloading an ebook and getting that customer's email address and reaching out to them in order to become a customer, those days are long over. They, they haven't really worked since the early 2000s or really the late 2000s. I should say like 2010s, but I'm not exactly sure what we're referring to with that decade of, of a time frame. That's a little off topic, but avoiding the MQL hamster wheel of collecting these low intent leads because it's all about your awareness channels and taking your content and, and building out unique video, not unique videos, but videos that are talking about a unique feature or a, a unique use case of your product or service, and then putting it out there onto your awareness channels. It's not about chasing people down when they haven't showed intent. And then finally, step five is getting used to talking with your audience, having more conversations with leads and customers, sending out surveys to your current customers, having those one-on-one -on -one conversations with your customers or even leads if you can. Um, get used to asking folks how they heard of you and what made them want to reach out because that's really going to drive the rest of your ship, especially from a web copy 
perspective, from email, from social media, because then you can have those real world conversations. And especially if you work in marketing, if you can set up that flow of of what talking to a lead looks like, instead of it going directly to sales, if you can set it up appropriately, then you can set it up to where you can be that first line of contact with that lead. And then you can ask some of these specific questions in order to figure out what were those trigger points? What kind of content did they see? How did they hear about you? And what made them ultimately go to your website and fill out a form or what made them pick up the phone and actually give you a call. If you can be that first line of of offense or defense for your customers, then that's really going to go a long way as far as your market research and insight is concerned. And also having these conversations, it's the perfect response to the C-suite who is going to demand, I mean, in reality, they're going to demand that you back up your assumptions and your theories and your experiments with some kind of insight. And what better way to do that than to have these real life conversations with both customers and leads, because then you can provide those real value points and, and, and use a lot of that insight to not only build out better customer service, better support, and it, it could also lead to a better product roadmap for you and your company. So embracing the dark funnel and the basics of selling something that people want to buy, because I'm going to throw in a couple more Star Wars quotes here because I can. And it's the fear of loss may be a path to the dark side, but embracing the marketing dark funnel is a pathway that leads to many abilities, none of which are unnatural. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. As always, you can find each show I publish along with more insight over on my website, digitaldispatch.io. If you like this podcast, then I think you'll love another show that I host, Cyberly, which covers the attention economy, B2B marketing, tech, and how it all ties into the world of logistics. That show airs every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on FreightWaves TV. There are also some links to my social media accounts along with my products and services that might be of interest to you. You can find them in the show notes or again over on my website at digitaldispatch.io. If you found this episode interesting and or entertaining, be sure to share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the best kind of marketing and since podcast discoverability has and remains an issue in this medium, I trust and rely on folks like yourself that will share it with those who would also find it useful. Until next time, my name is Blythe Bremley, and I will see you real soon.